Welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolzma. I am so glad to have you along with us today for another wonderful episode with another terrific guest. Episode 101, we're into the triple digits now, which is unbelievable. I hope you caught our 100th episode special that we had last week. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And we're back to some guests now. And looking forward to chatting with more people throughout the rest of the year. Our guest today is Naomi Mush, and I am so thrilled to have her with us. I thought I had her scheduled a while ago, and then I realized, oh no, she's not on the schedule. So we fit her in here. Her book, Season of My Enemy, has been out for a little while, but we're finally getting a chance to chat with Naomi, and I couldn't be happier. I'm so thrilled about it. Her book is part of Barber Publishing's Heroines of World War II series, which I was so blessed to be a part of, and it's continuing on now. In a few weeks, we will have Patty Smith Hall, who is also part of that collection, and we will have more authors as more books continue to be released in that series. So stay tuned for that. Lots of great reading there. And I'm just so excited to talk to Naomi because we have a lot in common. We're both Wisconsinites. We both love living out in the country, and you'll hear all about that in our interview. Before we get to Naomi, though, remember, if you have not subscribed to Christian Historical Fiction Talk, be sure to do so on your favorite podcasting platform so that you don't miss out on any of these fabulous guests and topics that we have here. And also follow Christian Historical Fiction Talk on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. You will find us there. And we have lots of great interactions. There are lots of fun, lots of good book recommendations. And you'll also find out then when new episodes are released. And I forgot to say a welcome to anybody who is new here. Thank you so much for joining Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I hope you find lots here to entertain you and lots of good information and that you really enjoy yourself. So thank you so much. And to those of you who are returning, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You know how much I appreciate each and every one of you. All right, plenty from me. Let's go ahead and welcome to the show today a wonderful author, a lovely lady, Naomi Mush. Welcome to the show, Naomi. It is so good to have you with us today. Well, it's a pleasure and a joy to be here. I enjoyed our chat the the time we were doing the book club thing. And so I was looking forward to talking with you again. (laughs) Yes, we did. We had so much fun on the Christian World War II Readers Book Club over on Facebook. And for those of you who aren't part of that, I'll leave a link when I do the show notes for this. And go check that out and check out the interview we did with Naomi there because it was it was a blast. We had so much fun. And so, yes. I also have been really looking forward to talking to you, and I'm so glad that we were able to make this work. I know season of my enemy has been out for a little bit, and for whatever reason, we didn't make it work until now, but I'm glad to have you along here finally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exciting, and I kind of like it when it's stretched out from time because it brings things back, and it's fun to look back at it, too, a little bit, for me even, and, and I we were chatting before the show here about rereading things we've written and how we don't generally do that. But sometimes it is fun to go back and visit those characters again after you've been with them for a long time and then you get away a little bit and it's fun to go back and meet them again and, you know, think about what they're up to. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, 
Before we delve into Season of My Enemy, why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I live in northern Wisconsin, and I, I live out in the woods, and that's what I know. So I feature a lot of rural settings in most of my stories, and Season of My Enemy is no exception to that. It's a farm girl story. I've, I've written a few of those, and I enjoy this that exploring what that was like back when, before my time. And I have, uh, I'm married, live on an old farm, which is now a a white-tailed deer farm that my sons operate. And I have five grown children and 18 grandchildren. One of them has a birthday today. And (laughs) yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I don't get to see them all as much as I'd like, especially to now school starting and everybody's back to school. And I have a couple that are off in college believe it or not, I I can't believe it. But anyway, (laughs) so that's the basics about me, I guess. I've been writing mostly historical fiction for many years. Every now and then I'll, I'll step out of my zone and write something shorter and contemporary just for some closure. I spend a lot more time when I'm writing historical because of the research aspect. I tend to, it takes me a lot longer to finish a project, especially if it's a full length. And so now and then I'll step out of that and write something just for fun or something will catch my attention and give me an idea that I'll just run with and then just set it aside again and then go back to the historical. <laughs> and I've done a lot of this this story, uh, Season of My Enemy, is a World War II story. And I haven't written a lot in that era. I have one other book that's a post-World War II. I tend a little bit earlier than that, more in the early, like 1920s. World War One, even, and then some early American kind of history, French Indian War, fur trade, and things like that. I kind of hop around a lot, and but the feeling I think of the stories themselves are kind of similar. You know, the topics, the I, I feature a lot of things having to do theme thematically about grace and hope and those kinds of themes, and I think that they resonate across time. I mean, that's why we we love historical fiction a lot of times is because maybe we don't realize it, but we're in delving into those past times in lives. We're solving inwardly maybe some of our own struggles and, you know, they make us think and they make us look at our own culture around us and in different ways and challenge us in different ways. And this book did that for me. And I I don't set off necessarily for that to happen, but it, it seems to happen. Yeah, I think you're right. Even though we write historicals and it's about times past, the themes that are through them, they resonate today. We really, despite technology, aren't that different from people who lived in the 1940s or 100 or 200 years ago or more. So I think in that way, there's so much that we can learn about ourselves and and God and things. Right. I I think sometimes, or what I've noticed in a weird way, (laughs) is that a lot of times when I'm working through a story or a plot line, or I may even be well into the story, and all of a sudden I'll get gobsmacked by a realization that I'm dealing with something that I've had to deal with outwardly, maybe not personally, but maybe someone close to me or something like that. I have a work in progress right now that I'm getting close to the end on, but I have to go back and do a lot of rewriting on it because there's things I'm not comfortable with in it yet. And just, this was just a couple days ago, all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, this is about, actually, I have to back that up. 
that's not the one same story I'm working on. That's the one I'm about to start. <laughs> See how it is? <laughs> right. Yeah, sudden, I know. <laughs> but all of a sudden I got hit with like, oh my word. Oh my word. This is about having to forgive someone you never thought you'd have to forgive or never wanted to forgive. And and I'm like, oh, I think that prick's a little close to home right now. Because <laughs> I'm dealing, just in my own life, there's there's situations always all around us, you know. And there's somewhere I go, or, you know, I, I feel a certain angst towards someone or something. And, and I realize, no, I gotta, I've got to let go of that. I've got to forgive that. That's not something I should be holding on to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my, my character's going to be dealing with that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So. Yeah, I, I had something very similar happened to me with the same theme of forgiveness and I'm writing it and all about forgiveness and it's all lovely and wonderful and everything. And and, then you're right. The realization hit me. I need to forgive this person for something, you know, even though they're not asking for my forgiveness, I need to forgive them. I'm holding on to this bitterness and I need to just let go of it. And so, yeah, it's amazing what we as authors learn through our own writing. We're trying to teach a lesson maybe in our books and we're the ones who get Cool. Yes. I I feel like that, you know, when when I decided I wanted to be a writer, which was when I was like 10 years old, and, and then as I grew up and, and then as I, I developed a Christian walk and things, you know, and I felt like, oh, yeah, I'm going to serve God with my writing. I'm going to, you know, be a tool and all this kind of stuff. And God was like, oh, I've got <laughs> things for you to learn. <laughs> yeah. And it's always been every every story has had something in it that he's showing me. And it may not even be the same things that I'm, you know, like I said, the circumstances, I, there's a lot of things in, in my stories I've, I've never experienced personally, but he's, the circumstances aside, he's using the deeper issues and the things to untangle and give me answers to things. And yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of exciting and, you know, it's, it's one of the fun aspects of writing when it's not too painful. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. For sure. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Season of My Enemy a little bit. Tell the listeners about the book. Okay. Season of My Enemy is, like I said, it takes place during World War II in the la- the later, the last couple of years of the war. So 1945. And actually, does it start in 45 or does it start in 44? I got to look back. It starts in 44, <laughs> in June of 44. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, I, think, and, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I got to think. <laughs> Anyhow, it's about a, a family, uh, a woman named Fanny O'Brien, her siblings, and her mother. Her father recently passed away, and her two brothers, before he passed away, were both sent to fight in France. And then he passed away and she and her family live on a a farm, a good sized farm in central Wisconsin, and they have to keep the farm going. Her siblings that are still there are both younger than she is. And so she's been kind of pushed into this role of, of taking care and managing everything. Her mom can't do it all. And it's, it's completely shifted her life. And there's one of those themes, these life shifting things that we don't see coming our way. And it's changed her life completely. But unfortunately, in the past, this family has hired migrant workers during the harvest season. And she's had her brothers and her father there to handle the bigger crops. And now the migrant workers aren't available. There's a shortage of manpower all across the agricultural states, and Wisconsin was a big one. And so the government got this idea that the prisoners of war, which we had taken from 
England to get them out of the way because they were worried that Hitler was going to drop weapons into the prison camps there. So we brought them back here on the empty Liberty ships and sent them to these camps all across the country. And a lot of them, thousands of them ended up in Wisconsin. And the government got the idea that we could pay these men in script per the Geneva Convention to come into our agricultural workforce, both on farms and in canning factories and such. And so many of the German prisoners who they didn't consider to be hardcore Nazis were sent out to smaller camps and then sent to work on family farms and in these and in these canning factories and such. And so this family receives four, they apply for, for, for or rather eight of these prisoners to come and work on their farm. And Fanny is very bitter about it because she doesn't want their help. She knows her brothers are in dire ways over in France and, and she really rebels against the idea, but her mom is very insistent that they need the help and they're just going to have to deal with it and that guards will come. So that's not a big problem and stuff. And so throughout the course of the story, then she has to reconcile herself to everything going on in the world, what might be happening with her brothers who are both missing at this point. Well, one they know was in a prison camp. The other one, they don't know where he is. He's been missing for a while. And then meantime, she's trying to work alongside of these prisoners without getting to know them, which is kind of hard to do. Just really a fascinating story for me personally, in general and overall, it is very fascinating about how these prisoner camps were run and how they worked, mm-hmm. but especially in Wisconsin and the special ties, because I'm also from Wisconsin and I have researched about these prisoner of war camps and they were just really fascinating. Can mm-hmm. you tell us Give us a little bit more insight as to what these camps sort of were like. Sure. Well, first they were sent to the the main camp in Wisconsin was Fort McCoy or Camp McCoy. And from there they were sent out to like 38, was it 38 or 39 branch camps all around the state. And the branch camps were not very secure. I mean, we're, we're talking some barbed wire, you know, some guard towers. Some some of the camps were in locations like the old Conservation Corps camps, and some of them were in old hotels and restaurants. <laughs> so, I mean, depending yes, on where, the, where they were located, there was one in my hometown, which I never knew about growing up, which was actually at a pine tree nursery that they kept these prisoners. They stayed in tents mostly, or sometimes small buildings, Quonset huts, things like that, depending on on what the situation was. And then they would be piled into a truck and sent out to, in my hometown, it was the Cranberry Marshes, but various various potato fields, corn fields, bean and pea fields, lots of, you know, this was before they had quite all the modern machinery we have now, and a lot of things were picked by hand. So they sent them out and they labored for so many hours. They would oftentimes bring a food truck in the afternoon to bring them their lunch. Sometimes though, as what happens in my story, the family adds to some of their meals. They provide like some extra picnic-y type of things. And and that really, that kind of thing really happened. And because Wisconsin has Mm -hmm. like a one-third German population, a lot of them, you know, developed some camaraderie and even though like eventually uh, uh, there's a romance that happens in the story and and it's not the main theme but it is a strong theme in the story and it may seem like a stretch to some but this also happened and in fact 
some of these camps, there were, there are a few stories of escape, which weren't really true escape. They were more like, we're going to go out tonight. Let's climb out of here and go to town and go to the local drinking, dining establishment, meet some girls, you know, and then they'd get picked up and brought back to camp, you know? So that did happen. It wasn't like all the time, but it did happen. And, and, occasionally. So, you know, but at the same time, there still were a lot of tensions too, because, you know, like I said, I didn't know about the camp in my town growing up. And a lot of people didn't know there were these camps because they worried about community tension. And some people thought, you know, them, they're going to kill you in your beds at night. Why do we have them here? You know, so there was that. And, and I try to bring all those different feelings to life in the story, all those different aspects, all the struggles of bigotry and, and hatred and, and things. And then there's some twists in it also to, you know, some, some types of bigotry maybe you wouldn't see coming. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And we deal with that, yeah. of course, today all the time. So, Right, right. And it was a really interesting story because you put a little bit of suspense in there too. So you drew some of that in. You had some, you know, like you said, who were just, I wrote a a novella about one that's actually very close to where my daughter goes to school. My friend had her wedding reception there. It it was an old ballroom and they still are using it as a- Oh, I heard of that place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I read about that place. Literally, this one was just surrounded by a snow fence, you know? So- yeah, like you said, they would just climb over the snow fence, go to the movies, go to the bar, and then come back and climb back over the snow fence and get in their bunks. And yeah, so it's crazy. Yes. You know, I read a piece about the one that was at the ballroom, and I'm pretty sure that's where I read that some of the Germans who were working there, maybe in the kitchens or something, I don't know, they had a hidden radio that they would sneak down in behind the bins of food or whatever, and they would listen to that radio. And that's how they learned what was kind of going on for real with the Mm -hmm. war and -hmm. things. And, you know, try to get away from, you know, what they weren't being told or what was propaganda and things like that. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, And you mentioned this. I want to just touch on it a little bit more. You said that there's a love story in there. And I did. I loved the love story. I loved how that you developed it very slowly, kind of naturally, because Fanny has these sort of inhibitions, I guess you want to say, or I'm not sure that's the word I'm looking for, but reservations. That's the word I'm looking there for. Yeah. Reservations about this relationship and about these men coming to the farm and, and all this kind of stuff and what yes. it's going to be like and are they going to be safe? And, and yet she finds herself falling for one of the Germans and you yes. say it's not so far-fetched. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah. You know, like you said, she's, she starts to have some feelings that she fights with concerning one of the Germans. And she doesn't know if she dare, because meanwhile, there are some, like you said, suspense. There's some things taking place there on the farm that of a suspicious nature that she's wondering, are are they trying to sabotage us? Are they going to burn out our whole farm? Are they going to, are, are they going to kill us? Are they going to kill us in our beds? You know, and is it one or is it all of them? And is this person that I'm been talking to is is this person involved and and stuff and so there's that there's that suspense and then there's just the how can I not hate them all because my brother is in prison camp and now we've learned that my uh, what has become of my other brother and and things like this and so yeah she struggles with all of that and it's interesting that there were the I read about you know 
relationships, people after the war coming back to the United States after they had to all go back to Germany, eventually the prisoners, none of them could just decide to stay, but a lot of them wanted to emigrate back here. So they, they were repatriated back to Germany and some of them went through the process of coming back and marrying here and settling down here and finding hosts either because they had family members or because they did become acquainted with someone, get to know someone. And so, yeah, so I, I do address that. And, you know, and there, of course, were a lot of just liaisons, I'm sure, because I I read in my in, when I was doing the research about, you know, there were a lot of women working in the canning factories because the men were off fighting. And so these Germans came in and worked alongside a lot of these women. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. But I think, you know, my husband used to work in a canning factory, and I know that that's the settings are are possible for things to happen that would have easily happened. Like my grandma worked in a canning factory, and I think, yeah, you know, that could have liaisons could have happened, relationships, flirtations, who knows what all could have could have went on. I mean, there was a shortage of healthy males here during World right. War II, <laughs> so it, I think it would have been easy for attractions to occur, occur even amidst the mixed feelings. So for sure, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, you mentioned some of your research. And when I did the research into my book, too, I just found it fascinating, including love letters between some of these women and the men that they had fallen in love with and things like that, which was really neat to read. So what kind of research did you do for a season of my enemy? Well, I I scoured the internet as much as I could first because that's always the first easiest thing to do. And, and it was inspiring because I found a lot of photographs that had been uploaded by people. In fact, I found on my Pinterest page, there's a photo of some prisoners from Camp Barron where my story is set. Camp Barron was one of the most, most northern locations, not the most, but up there. And a, a, a big help to me was the book called Stalag, Wisconsin by Betty Cowley back in, I forget what year it was published originally. It's not in print anymore, but she did a lot of research interviewing a lot of people who lived through all of that, who grew up, a lot of them were youngsters growing up at this time. And they, they remember a lot of stuff. She did a lot of interviewing to find out what the interactions were like and things. And she, she actually wrote a chapter for every single camp in Wisconsin at that time and what it was like. And she did give a lot of statistical things of her own research that she'd done. And I was able to look back at in some of those books as well to kind of back that up. And yeah, it was, that was an incredibly cool resource. And I, I got myself a copy, a used copy <laughs> so I could have it forever. <laughs> yeah. That is a neat book to have. Mm-hmm. You talk in your biography, and I've talked to you, and I've seen you on Facebook and things like that, all about your garden and your passion for gardening. Mm -hmm. Tell us us what you like to to grow and and what you find so fascinating about it. I... You know, my mom always canned. I grew up in a, my grandma and grandpa were farmers, you know, and, and so I grew up always putting by, as it were, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and so when my kids were young growing up and we homeschooled, we spent a lot of time, you know, working outside and, and canning and, and I'm always wanted to have a little extra put by for the, in case there's a bad year, like this year, my apple trees didn't 
produce. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've always in the past years put always a little extra to carry over a little longer. And, and I, I upsize sometimes too much and then I get overwhelmed and now I'm trying to downsize again. And, and this year so far, I think I've canned 73 quarts of beans and <laughs> I had to finally just stop. I'm like, I am yeah. done. The rest are going to the deer. I am done. <laughs> and now it's in, I'm into tomatoes and, and, and so it's, yeah, I, I do love to do that. And I, and I, because it's such a hands-on thing that made writing this story and a couple of my other farm girl stories easy, realistic. I could smell the smells. I could feel the, I could feel the bean leaves stick into my clothes, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you you know, (laughs) all those different things. And that I didn't have to research to know what that felt like picking potato bugs. You know, I know what that is like. And and stuff. So at and and sometimes I I'm just looking so forward to the end of, you know, like October when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, January, February comes along and I'm looking in seed catalogs. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, oh <laughs> so, I know. Yeah. We can't seem to help ourselves. And no. yeah, I I mostly grow perennials, but I do have a, a small vegetable garden which the deer ate my beans this year. So you need to tell me, like, how can you get so much to get 73 quarts of beans? And I can't get a meal full. I have have cattle panels. My garden is about 30 by 60. And I have cattle panels around it, which they could jump over if they want to. But there's enough greenery on the outside where the drive isn't real strong until it gets later mm-hmm. in the fall. And so they tend to stay out. However, the rabbits did get my my carrots and my beets this year. And I haven't really had too much of a pro- problem with rabbits because we always had dogs and kids around. And this year we just didn't mm-hmm. have that as much. And so, yeah, the rabbits came in and got my beets and my carrots. Little buggers. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good to know because... The soil by here is very clay and very hard. So I do mm-hmm. try to grow carrots and they're like, you know, and yeah. it's long if I'm lucky because it's the soil is just so hard. But yeah. at our cabin, it's just sand and they grow potatoes up there. Mm. So I'm thinking next year of growing potatoes and onions and beets and carrots up north. Sure. But now you're telling me the rabbits are going to eat them. Well, so. next year, my plan is to put them in. I have a a box that was originally intended more for flowers or, you know, it's like a, it's a planter alongside, the, but it's right alongside the house. And I'm thinking next year I might put my beets and my carrots in that because it'll be looser soil too, because we have a lot of rocky soil. We've got okay. fairly decent loam, but it's very rocky. And that I, I struggle with some of the root crops too. There'll be patches where they grow really well and then patches where nothing sprouts, you know, yeah. <laughs> brings, brings the scriptural analogy of the seed planted on rocky soil brings it right to life. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. Well, you mentioned that you are working on something like, I think you mentioned two things. So what's yeah. up next for you? Well, I'm finishing a story set in 1918 about a circus train crash. I don't know what's going to become of that, but that's what I'm finishing. And then I am getting ready. I've been starting to plot and getting ready to start a story uh, set in 1920 about a woman who's opening a tea house. And, and Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know this until recently that they were like the rage here in the States in the early part of the century and during the 19. 
teens and 20s. It was kind of a thing, tea houses. And her fiance has come back from war only. He has actually gotten married while he was away. And so he brings home a war bride. And uh, and she's not expecting to hear this. <laughs> this, right. is what tur- this is what turns her to starting the, the tea house. But then it becomes kind of a almost a you've got mail kind of a story where there's a fellow a veteran across the street. It's prohibition. So he's turned his spot there into mm-hmm. a men's coffee house because that was kind of a thing too, you know? And mm-hmm. so they kind of are at odds. He's got the bigger place. <laughs> so oh, that's going to be yeah. more of a pure romance. And that's going to be part of a, that's going to be part of a multi-author author series called Apron mm-hmm. Strings. And it's, it's going to follow a cookbook through a decade by decade. Oh, so. how much fun. Yeah, I couldn't say no to that because that just sounded really fun. And I need to get cracking because mine's the first one in the series and it's going to go all the way up to the 1980s. So, (laughs) oh, that does not. And when does yours release? It releases a year from this coming January. So, 2024. So, I have time. A little ways, yeah. Yeah, a little ways, yeah, but I I get writing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if listeners would like to connect with you and stay in touch with you so that they find out when these books come out, how can they go about doing that? They should come to my website, naomimush.com. And my last name is M-U-S-C-H. And there's a place there where you can sign up for my newsletter, which I send out monthly. And I try not to spam anybody with anything extra, unless there's some really awesome giveaway coming up or something like that, that I don't want you to miss. So that's the best place. And then I'm on all the socials too. So Sounds good. Do you have any last words for the listeners? I hope that you'll read my book and I hope you'll read this whole series. It's just a really, I think, awesome series because it's so eclectic in the settings are also widely arrayed and, and, interesting and the histories I'm learning things I never knew but that yeah I hope you'll enjoy season of my enemy leave me a review if you do (laughs) please please leave reviews read all of the heroines of world war ii series and not just because Naomi and I are in them but like you said all so many wonderful books so many wonderful authors thank you so much for being with us I'm just so happy that we had this chance to do this and really enjoyed speaking with you and we'll look forward to having you back when your next one comes out awesome liz thank you you just it's wonderful to be with you you're uh, a very engaging person to visit with and i enjoy it greatly well thank you so much to naomi for stopping by what a fun chat we had i hope that you enjoyed it please pick up season of my enemy it truly is a really good really fascinating book if you like world war ii stories you'll be sure to enjoy this one you can find out more about naomi more about season of my enemy and a handy link to purchase the book and I will also have links to all of the Heroines of World War II books that are currently out on my website, and that is LizTolsma.com. So please stop over there and check all that out, and also consider becoming a patron of Christian Historical Fiction Talk while you are over there. Next week, we have a returning guest, and it's been a while since she's been on, and I'm so thrilled to have her back, and that is Joanna Politano. I am so thrilled. She's out with a new book. When I heard the title, that's all I had to hear. I knew this book was for me, and I knew we had to talk to her. The title of the book is The Lost Melody. It is stunning and rich and lyrical and just 
beautiful. You can almost hear the music that she creates. She just does a gorgeous job of it. So you're going to want to be sure to pick up a copy of The Lost Melody and to stop by next week for my chat with Joanna Politano. We had a really lovely chat and you don't want to miss out on that. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for sharing Christian historical fiction talk with your friends and family, for sharing it on social media. I appreciate each of you. I hope you have a great week, and we will see you next time.